Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I'm very excited today to have uh, another guest in the show. This is the first time I've had this individual uh, on the program, and his name is Pastor Tim DeVries. He pastors in Kentucky, and I'm really anxious to hear what he has to say about the subject of Bible prophecy. And we're going to kind of talk about his, um, you know, what caused him to change his mind on some things. From my understanding is, uh, he kind of has the same uh, background I do. You know, I know I used to consider myself somewhat dispensational and pre-trib, and uh, kind of an Israel supporting guy. And I changed my mind. And often people, you know, they're very frustrated because it's so hard to change anyone's mind on these things. We are so steeped in our traditions and and these things that we rarely can get ourselves corrected from the Bible. But it's always encouraging when you see somebody who does come around on the subject. And I like to ask them what it was that changed their mind on this, you know, what scriptures and things like that. So we're going to have a conversation about that today. And I think you all are going to uh, get a blessing from it and enjoy it. Uh, I have listened to uh, several sermons Pastor DeVries has preached, and um, I'll leave a link to his channel uh, in the description, and you'll have to check that out. And if you're ever in the Shepherdsville, Kentucky area, you'll have to give him a visit. I believe I believe it's Shepherdsville, but but yeah. So at this time, uh, I would like you know just Pastor Tim, if you just like to introduce yourself to everyone, tell everyone a little bit about your church and your ministry. Well, my name is uh, Tim DeVries from Vision Valley Baptist Church in Mount Washington, Kentucky, and uh, we're here in Bullitt County, uh, just right up the road from Shepherdsville. I was an assistant pastor for seven years at a large uh, inner city church in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, taught Bible college there for seven years. And then uh, 14 years ago, we came out here to Bullitt County and started the church. In fact, our very first service was uh, 14 years ago. Uh, October 4th. And so been here 14 years now and the Lord's blessed and uh, just excited to be here, excited to be right where God placed it. All right. Well, that's cool. So congratulations on just hitting 14 years. And uh, I said, I know we crossed paths, in, you know, in the past, it, it was a big church, but uh, yeah, I remember going there to the youth conferences and stuff way back in the day. But uh a lot of people, a lot of people there, so, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, to the subject now, you know, on, on Bible prophecy, what would you say was the first thing that caused you to consider the possibility that what you believed about end times was wrong? Cause that's hard for us to imagine that we could be, you know, we're Baptists that we could be wrong on anything, but what was it right. that originally got you thinking that way? So I, I have to first mention my dad, my dad, just went to heaven this year and my dad read the Bible through more than any person I have ever heard of. And it's, it's an unbelievable number, but it's an absolutely true number. If you ask people, what my dad do? They'd tell you he, he read the Bible. That's what he did a lot. And years ago, my dad said to me, he said, you know, I, I read the Bible and I really think um, we're going to go through some of these things in the, in the word of God. You know, we're going to go through some of this tribulation at the time. I I dismissed it. And I said, oh, no, dad, you know, don't even worry about that. We're we're out of here. There's no we're not going through any of that. And so that was years ago. Well, then uh, six and a half years ago, two friends that I had known for about uh, 14 years at the time 
uh, they started attending our church and they said, we want you to know that we don't believe the same when it comes to end times and prophecy and uh, the timing of the rapture. And uh, they said, we wonder if we could just show you some verses. I said, well, sure, you know, truth can be tested. And so I'm more than happy to see whatever you're going to show me from the Bible. Um, I'm not interested if it comes from some man-made book, but if you can show me something in the Bible, I'm more than happy to dig into it, consider it. And so they did. They showed me some verses, and that uh, started me on a, a year and a half journey of really digging in for myself to Scripture, laying aside books, laying aside uh, prophecy studies, and just reading the book, and really digging in. And at the end of a year and a half, I said, "Well, this is this is absolutely clear uh, that tribulation and wrath are not the same things. That the church." will face tribulation, the church does face tribulation, and no, we're not appointed to wrath. Jesus Christ took that for us on the cross, but we are appointed to affliction, to tribulation, and the Bible says that just as much as it says that we're not appointed unto wrath. So that that's really how I began on that journey. Um, you know, like I said, so that'd be about four, four and a half years now that, that I've understood the Bible position, what God's Word says about uh tribulation and wrath and and uh you know being a post-trib pre-wrath believer so that's good well you know what you just explained there that i mean i think that's just kind of the dream of a lot of people that they could actually go and talk to a pastor about something the scriptures and them not just bite their head off and throw them out of the church <laughs> and get threatened sure. so that, that that's wonderful that you did that because you know that kind of started it with me too where i had i had two different individuals not connected with each other that just had questions and then it got me searching. But I like what you said too, about how just that one thing that's so easy to prove and that tribulation and wrath are not the same thing yet. It is. I mean, most people can't even admit that that tribulation and, and that's so easy to prove. And, but, um, so, yeah, so that's that's really good. So I guess the next question I would have then is, you know, what was the first thing or um, I, or what were some what were some of the first scriptures, I guess you would say, that got your attention on the subject? Well, you know, of course, you go to the classic rapture passage, First Thessalonians four, that everybody probably knows, you know, First Thessalonians four. And, and I guess really digging in and understanding that the terminology uh, has been changed. When people hear the word coming of the Lord, they hear that that term, they immediately, if they've been raised in a pre-trib situation, they immediately think of when Christ sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. Whereas the vast majority of time, when the Bible mentions the coming of the Lord, it is referring to his coming in the air for believers. Hmm. And First Thessalonians 4, the classic rapture passage, calls it the coming of the Lord. Well, once you understand that, that when I see the term coming of the Lord, it doesn't necessarily mean when he's touching down on the Mount of Olives. Um, then you can go back to the Bible, especially Matthew 24. And, you, you know, you go to that verse of that day and hour, no, no man, no, not the angels, you know, and, and trace that back. And it talks about the coming of the Lord. Well, what's it talking about? The rapture. Um, also for me, uh, it was digging into, okay, what, what verses, you know, supposedly prove that there's a pre-trib rapture. Well, we're not appointed unto wrath. Okay. So 
Go to that passage. We'll then turn two chapters before that. First Thessalonians 3, we are appointed unto affliction and tribulation. Well, that means they're different things. You know, we're not appointed to wrath. There are no contradictions in the Bible, but we are appointed unto affliction and tribulation. And then to see uh, Matthew 24 talk about tribulation and great tribulation, and then Mark 13 uh, to use a synonym to call it affliction. And just really to understand that this, it's amazing how simple it is in the Bible. It just, it, the, the same truth is taught over and over and over again in all of these rapture passages. Uh, I'd say another one that was big for me was uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, 2. And in fact, I use that quite often when folks hear our Bible position on this, um, they think it's something new. And I tell them, no, this isn't anything new. Yeah, if it's new to you, maybe you should be a little suspicious and you shouldn't just swallow something if it's new to you. You need to go do your due diligence and study it out. But this is not new. You know, Second Thessalonians 2, when someone asked George Mueller what he believed, he espoused the same position that we preach. And he quoted from Second Thessalonians 2. So those are probably the main passages God used for me. And of course, there are many more. Uh, but to, to get started, those are the main ones. I'd say also Revelation uh, 3.10, that's often used to, to supposedly prove we're not going to go through tribulation where it says you're, you're not going to face the hour of temptation that's mm -hmm. tried the whole world. Okay, but then go back to Revelation 2.10, and he tells them you're going to have tribulation 10 days. Mm -hmm. You know, So if you're going to use the same, uh, same level of study for both verses, then you have to admit that it's not saying we're not going to go through Tribulation. We're not going to go through trouble. We are going to go through tribulation, through trouble, affliction, persecution. You know, John 16, 33, Jesus said, in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So, you know, it, it, those are the main verses, I'd say. Uh, there are many more, though. Mm -hmm. Well, what I what's interesting about what you're saying, too, you know, you're you're given all this scripture and basically what you're showing is that your use of those words before did not line up with the Bible's use of those words. And that's how it was for me is I had the, you know, I'm amazed at some of the things that I heard, you know, but at the same time, they did not register with me because I still had the dispensational definitions in my head. I had the charts in my head. So when somebody would say tribulation, I see Daniel's 70th week. I see the chart. The seals, the trumpets, the vials. Um, you know, the the words of God are not what formed my thinking of those words. It was the theologians, it was the charts, because again, yeah, if the words of God form your thinking, we see constant reference to us going through tribulation, you know, and Ooh. you know, but so when you start letting the Bible define your terms and define your thinking. It's a completely new thing. And what's frustrating too, and I'm sure you deal with this, is how people, you know, what we've done, what we've had to do, is we've gone to a more biblical uh, terminology, a more biblical approach to how we explain things and our definitions. But in the dispensational world, they will not let go of those definitions. And so no matter how much we prove to them tribulation and wrath are different, and how no matter how much we show them, we'll know, we believe that the rapture goes comes after the tribulation based on a verse that says after the tribulation, 
we don't believe the tribulation is considered a seven-year period, they still call us mid-tribbers. Just right. <laughs> So it's like, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, you know, and I'll, especially I'm wanting to convince them, I need to understand their language. And so either yes. they don't understand our language or, you know, and or they're being stubborn and they have to admit we are sticking to our Clarence Larkin language right. rather than Bible language. Because without a doubt, Larkin and the Bible use those words differently. There's no question about that. So I, I think majority of people, they don't understand. And so they 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 have. They have it locked into this, you know, it's this box of you're either a pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, and there's nothing else, you know, that because of what their understanding of what tribulation is, mm-hmm. instead of just taking what the Bible says. Same with the term elect. You know, you look at what, what does elect mean? And immediately with that dispensational thinking, the word Jews gets plugged in, and mm-hmm. physical Jews, somebody from the modern-day nation of Israel, you know, and, and you even hear preachers say, such ridiculous things like Matthew 24 is not for you. You know, it's just for the Jews. And okay, well, why do you say Mark 13? You know, these things I say into all, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't, don't take part of my Bible from me. It, it's all for us. It's every bit of it is. But the point is that it, it's because of a misunderstanding of those terms of what those terms actually mean biblically. Right. Right. Well, and the thing is too, there are examples of scriptures that are, written towards a certain crowd. However, just because it's written to a certain crowd, it doesn't change the facts of what's stated in that passage. And it doesn't change the fact that we can learn from that, get some ideas from that, form our thinking around that. It it doesn't change. It doesn't change the outcome. You know, if, you know, if Jesus told Jews two plus two is four, us Gentiles can look at that. We can come to the conclusion two plus two is four, (laughs) you know, but, uh, so how long of a process would you say it was from the time that you had, you know, you started, I guess you were challenged to where you like fully embraced the position? For me, it was 18 months. And, and that's with a lot of study. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I am, I am very, I guess, sympathetic or patient or when, when somebody hears this and it's brand new to them, I don't expect them just to suddenly embrace it when, when they uh, have been taught another thing their whole lives. You know, I have the, the privilege to get to study the Word of God as part of my responsibility, um, not just being a Christian, but being a pastor. So I understand that um, it, it's going to take time, but that's the challenge I give to folks is lay aside all the, lay aside all of the, the books, lay aside all of the prophecy studies, just get your Bible out, pray. The Holy Spirit of God's in you if you're a believer, Ask God, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Dig into scripture. What does scripture actually say? And then, as I know you've mentioned in some of your videos about defining terms, define them biblically. That's the key is let the Bible define itself. What does elect mean biblically? What does uh, tribulation mean biblically? Uh, You know, those, those things matter. They really do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know for me, it was a three year process for me. You know, and, uh, you know, and a lot of that was because, you know, the church was newer. I was working full time, you know, you got, you know, and so everybody needs to be patient with people. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, and as Baptists too, you know, we are trained and I think it's good. And we, we constantly have a beat into us not to change, 
stand by the stuff. You know, we're also told to let the word of God change you and to, you know, be corrected. But, you know, I don't think, you know, I worry about people that are too quick to change on this. You know, yes. if, if I can just yeah. change somebody's mind in 10 minutes, I'm, I'm right. concerned about that, you know. <laughs> and, and everybody needs to understand that. You're not just going to go to your pastor one day and, you know, like, you know, talk to him one time. And then if he just changes like that, you know, who knows what he'll change into, you know, later. Exactly. Yes. That's a great point. It takes time to dig into all the parts of scripture. And, and, uh, if you, if you truly believe something, you know, you need to make sure truth can be tested and it takes time to test uh, each verse. So Mm -hmm. it's good. Well, and one of the things too, I think one of the reasons it's such a big process, especially for pastors to change on something is, you know, everything we teach, it's all kind of connected, tied into each other. And it takes a lot of time to think through, okay, well, if I'm wrong about this, what about this other stuff? And so there's a lot to sort through. But what I have found, you know, since I've gotten rid of the dispensationalism and all this, is that um, fixing the errors in this area has just strengthened other areas of the Bible. It's like the more error you can get rid of, the more it strengthens all the areas where where you're right. And so I have more confidence in all the things that are, I would say, more important. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So did you have any problems uh, in your church when you started teaching different? How did your church respond? No, I didn't have any problems. had a lot of sincere questions. And I, I, I spent a long time uh, Sunday nights preaching prophecy, and I, I just offered it from the very beginning. I said, listen, I said, I used to preach, teach this this way, and frankly, I, I wasn't right. I was wrong about it, and, and here's what the Bible says. And I don't expect you just to suddenly turn on a dime and, and uh, swallow everything I'm saying. I want you to go to the Scriptures, see if these things are so. If you can take your Bible— and show me this is not biblical, I'm more than happy to hear you. But what I'm telling you is you're going to find what I've found. This is absolutely biblical. This mm-hmm. is the Bible. And so, no, in, in our church, no. In fact, it's very, uh, you know, liberating just to know the truth. I mean, it's 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 uh, to, to know what God's word actually says. If we don't have God's word, we don't have anything. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not interested in a movement, in a camp, in following any man's teachings. I'm interested in what God's word says. And uh, that's... That's what we need. We need his word. And so um, it was it was wonderful to see what his word actually says about it. Uh, and as you said, it's true. It strengthens all the other areas. And that is the fear. The fear is, OK, well, what else was there that I maybe I didn't do my due diligence on? But as you said, it actually strengthens all these other areas that are vastly more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, inspiration of scriptures and and the eternal security of the believer and salvation by grace through faith for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Greek, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, it's salvation the same way for everyone for all time. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It strengthens yeah. your faith. Well, yeah, even just on the King James only issue is, you know, I came to, I've, I came to realize that, man, I am this, my position now, the post-trib position interprets the scripture way more literally i mean and these little changes that other versions have made are what's greatly affected this teaching you know and pre-tribbers don't want to admit it 
but a lot of their doctrine they got from reading after people who were not King James only. Right. And so when you uh, when, once you realize this position, it really makes you hang on every word of that King James Bible. And so it also shows. So the thing is, too, when it comes to things like salvation by faith, you know, eternal security and all these other things that are vastly more important, you know, it just causes you to start paying attention to every word even more. And when you do, it strengthens those positions. You know, it it's it it's probably done more to keep me away from things like Calvinism than just about anything, because, uh, you know, the King James Bible it to me it is the most clear uh translation that debunks calvinism where you can't do it as good in these other versions so so clear so yeah so i mean yeah if you're king james only i mean and that's why you know pastor matt first i don't know if you've read his book on um which one is right but you know he he makes a point in there that people don't like when they hear it but yeah he he proves that you, know, you can't really be King James only in pre-trip. Right. Have you had, have you had a yeah. chance to read that book? I have. I have that book. Okay. I also have this book, uh, Who is Israel? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great book. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, good stuff there. So now, and so, you know, that's good that your church took it good. And I know my church did good, too. I think I made them trust me more, too. It showed a sincerity to the scriptures. But it does seem like where the pressure is at typically it's political. It's typically with preachers. Yeah. And, and have you gotten any grief from your preacher friends? So <laughs> I've gotten a lot of grief from preachers. I don't know if I'd call them friends. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that I don't love them or pray for them. It's not what I mean. Uh, but my, my actual friends, uh, for the most part, until they understand it, have kind of left it alone. They kind of avoid the subject with me um, about it. Um, I've had a few talk to me about it, but I did have, um, without getting into the details, I've had some people who really caused me a lot of issues over this, um, and with other preachers and, um, you know what I say to them, in fact, I had one, uh, fairly famous evangelist. He said, frankly, I haven't studied that because I don't care. And, you know, I think, do we really believe what the Bible says? That all scripture is given by inspiration of God, that it's profitable. Well, if all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable, then we better study all of it. We better know what it says and we better care. You know, so. Um, so, yeah, I, I did receive quite a bit of grief and I have from other preachers, um, but not I wouldn't say not my friends, not folks who I've known. They, they actually I think many of them. Know my commitment to the word of God. And they themselves are sincere people. And my absolute belief is uh, that they're going to see what God's word says clearly. I mean, if they don't, if if not uh, before these events start happening, um, they they will just from their sincere study of the word of God. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. So uh, when it came to this subject, um, one of the things, too, that, uh, you know, I've mainly been talking about the rapture. Uh, something that kind of comes with it is, you know, teaching on the Jews, because that's like the biggest thing. You know, when you go to Matthew 24, it's like, well, that's for the Jews, you know. So um, it is kind of a package deal, you know. So when it came to this subject, 
did did you cut where did you come around on first the jews or the rapture was it kind of a package deal i mean i studied obviously because they're intertwined i studied them as a package deal studied it together but definitely had a much clearer understanding much more quickly about the jews um about understanding that we are the people of god we are the israel of god that um you know living at a certain address doesn't make you the people of god having a certain blood in your veins doesn't make you the people of God. And, and uh, you know, uh, certainly the Jewish religion doesn't make you the people of God when, when you say Jesus is in hell. Um, so that was fairly quick. I mean, you know, just from having studied and read the Bible my whole life, um, I don't know that I ever felt like a second-class child of God because I didn't live in modern-day Israel, you know. But so I'd say that, for me, came around very quickly just seeing what God's word says very plainly about it. Uh, you know, the, the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. You know, it, it's it's the believers in Jesus Christ, regardless of what physical nation you're from. Uh, I remember still preaching on that, who are the elect in our church. And a man just came with tears in his eyes just because he finally understood he's not a second class citizen of heaven. You know, he's a child of God. He's a joint heir of Jesus Christ. He has every right uh, that every other child of God has to the Lord and to all the promises of God. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, for me that that came first. But yeah. certainly, still. yeah, that was uh, I, you know, and that was a tough pill for me to swallow too. In fact, I remember having a discussion with my wife because you know at first we were almost a little nervous, like, man, are we going to bring a curse on ourselves pre- preaching against the Jews? That was kind of how I felt, but then. I finally, I was just like, hey, I either believe the Bible or I don't. And once I, you know, admitted that, and I was like, I'm not afraid to preach this, oh. you know. Well, and, and also folks who want to attack what we're saying, which is biblical, um, they, you know, they do a lot of name calling and they, they'll, they'll tell us things like, well, you hate them. You hate the modern day nation of Israel. No, I don't. I want them saved. I want them saved. Like I want Canadians saved or Mexicans or Americans, um, but they need to understand they don't have a privilege with God because they live over there. They must come to God through Jesus Christ. And so if anything, I think someone who teaches them that uh, they have some special you know, relationship with God because of their, their background, their DNA, I think they're doing them a disservice. Um, but, you know, it's nothing new. Jesus in his day, the Pharisees said, you know, hey, we're the children of Abraham. And what did they mean? We're the physical descendants. Jesus said, hey, God can make, you know, descendants of these stones unto mm-hmm. Abraham. Um, and then, of course, he told them they're going to be believers from all over the world coming, sitting down in the kingdom with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But the physical children, they're going to be cast out uh, because there's no way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. So uh, anyway, yeah, that's it's, it's awesome to know we're the people of God. It really is. Right. Yeah. I like, you know, and I, I, uh, whenever people start, you know, yelling and screaming about replacement theology and all that kind of stuff, I always like to say, well, you know, John the Baptist, he preached that God could replace the children of Abraham with stones. There's right. <laughs> so, and then even that, even to me, is not accurate. Replacement theology. Um, we are the Israel of God. We didn't replace them. We are the Israel of God. Now, I understand what Jesus said. He said, I'm going to, take the kingdom from you and give it to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Well, what nation is that? It is the church. But that's been God's plan all along, that 
that there be a people of God made up of believers from every physical nation. So, well, the best word, like I said, if we want to use Bible words, which I keep trying to train myself to use more, is in Hebrews it talks about until you know the carnal ordinances that were imposed on them until the time of reformation, and so yeah, I, I believe Jesus reformed Israel, and and so we are Israel reformed, basically. That's good. Yeah, that's biblical. So yeah, but anyway, so let's um you know or what advice do you have for those who are just frustrated because their pastor just is hat still hasn't come around on this subject. Well, if it's a matter of somebody in their church, um, you, you need to be in a church where you, uh, trust your pastor to some degree where you trust his sincerity, you trust his doctrine, um, especially on the most important things like salvation, the word of God, you know, holiness of life, those kinds of things. Um, I would say if your pastor's sincere, you need to give him time to study it out. You need to give him time to dig into the Word of God. Now, if at some point your pastor's more committed to man-made books than he is to the Bible, and, I, and I'm not saying, you, hey, you talk to him this week, and by next week he hasn't changed, you, you know, you run. But but I would say if, if your pastor's more committed to man-made doctrines and books than the Word of God, then you need to go to a place where your pastor preaches the word of God faithfully and and promotes the word of God to you above all other things, above all other books, above all other, other, other people, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, that's what I would say. I would say if your pastor's sincere, give him time, give him plenty of time to study, give, give him months. It took me a year and a half, it took you three years. Uh, if your pastor's soul winning and loves the Lord and he's sincere, loves the word of God, give him time to see it, you know. Um, so, but that's something you just have to pray for wisdom, ask the Lord for direction for your family about. So, right. Yeah. And I think both of us would agree too, that, you know, no one should go into a church and blow it up over this issue. You know, if, if you have a church that's an established church, it's been there for years in their pre-trib, you can't, uh, it's pretty arrogant to just go in there and with the attitude, I'm going to change this church more in, into my image. And, um, you know, and there are, we're, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just commenting on what you said, that the two men who came to me, they came with a heart of sincerity and 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 humility and saying, hey, we, we want the truth. Well, what do you, as a pastor, man, you should be thankful for men like that and say, mm. I want I, I to I hear what these guys have to say, you know, and so. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. We shouldn't go in. They, they didn't come in blowing up a church. They didn't come right. trying to tear anything down. They went to me and said, here's what we're seeing, you know? So I greatly appreciate them for that. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and both of us have been a part of, you know, great pre-trib churches that we wouldn't want anything to happen to and, and nothing should oh. happen to. Right. So, but so, um, well, we'll, to kind of end this, something I like doing with these, I, you know, I, I call it, let's talk about pre-tribbers, uh, segment. And so just a few questions along those lines, you know, do you still get along well with pre-tribbers? Yes, I do. Um, uh, I determined long ago 
that I would never make it a matter of fellowship, you know, whether somebody agrees with me about the timing of when Jesus comes. If, if we believe salvation is by grace through faith, Jesus alone, and we believe the word of God's perfect, inspired, inerrant, infallible, and we, we believe in holy living and soul winning, we can fellowship. I mean, we can. But, you know, you're never going to agree with anybody 100%. And uh, so, yeah, I do. I get along very well with folks who uh, who believe uh, pre-trib rapture. And I'm convinced, as I said, I'm convinced that if they had the time and took the time to study the Bible, and it takes time, it takes a lot of time, especially when you have to undo um, your preconceived notions and ideas. But I'm convinced that they will see clearly what Scripture says. And if they don't see it from Scripture, they will be convinced when these events start happening and none of us are going to say, see, I told you so. We're just going to say, you know what? Look, don't worry about this. This is what scripture says. So God said, this is coming, you know, so, Hey, we're, we're right where we need to be. Things are okay in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So yeah, absolutely. I get along great with, with those who want to get along with me. I do. <laughs> right. Well, and I think sometimes I surprise people because, you know, I mean, I have a podcast dedicated to Bible prophecy. You know, I preach passionately about it, but I mean, I, I literally have zero issues fellowshipping with pre-tribbers, having them preach in my church. I, I have, I have no problems with it, but uh, it, now do you have, you know, if you had people that just will not fellowship with you, because yes. of your position absolutely and, and that's where again i've had many people uh, as far as preachers especially go uh who will not fellowship because of that and who actively work against us you know to to try to try to besmirch us or whatever but then i've and that's where I've, I've said back then when i was the one being disfellowshipped i said hey i would never separate fellowship with somebody over this matter Okay, well, then now I have some friends who do see biblically, you know, and they do see, hey, they're, we're going to face tribulation, post-trib, pre-wrath. Um, and they almost want me to separate from pre-tribbers. And what I tell them is, look, these folks are exactly where I was five or six years ago. These are sincere people who love the Lord, who are serving the Lord, winning souls. I'm not going to separate fellowship with them just over the matter of the timing. If if they will take the time, I'm convinced they'll see God's word, what it says, and uh, and I can certainly fellowship with him even if we disagree on this. Right. Well, and I know my policy too is, and I think this is another thing maybe people are kind of are surprised with, but it's just a fact. But if I am friends with a pastor, you know, if I have him come preach for me or whatever, I'm not grooming that guy to become a post tripper. If I like a preacher. He does not have to change for that relationship to continue, and I will never bring it up. If they ever want to talk about it, I'd be glad to talk about it, but as far as I'm concerned, my pre-trib friends, if they die pre-trib, you know, 30 years, 40 years from now, I'll still be friends with them. I agree with you 100%. And I'm the same way. When folks come here, I don't bring it up to them, but I have found the majority of them do bring it up at some point. They'll, we, I was out to eat with someone at a Mexican restaurant after they'd preached, and uh, he asked me, he goes, are you post-chip, mid-chip, or pre-chip? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
I knew what he was talking about. He was saying, do you pray before you eat the chips, after you eat the chips, or in the middle of eating the chips? <laughs> he wanted to bring up the end times. And so that started our conversation. So I said, okay, well, let's talk about this. You know, actually, I'm a, I'm post-chip, <laughs> pre-wrap. <laughs> so uh, we had a good conversation that way. And, sharp, you know, iron sharpening iron, just trading scriptures and, and digging in. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I have many friends who are, we're pre-trib. So mm-hmm. now I will say this: if uh, ten years ago, okay, before I, uh, you know, if you, I probably would have broken fellowship with somebody if they'd have said they were post-trib, simply because I did not fully understand the issue. You know, right? Which one of the things that I did too, because I had a lot of people who challenged me after I became post-trib. It's like you know, you shouldn't be fellowshipping with pre-tribbers, and I'm like. Well, that seems kind of stupid. And then I I went to the scriptures again, and I was like, what was the battle on that day? It was never on the timing of the rapture in relation to the tribulation. The The fight was always, is there a literal return? Is there a literal resurrection? And right. pre-tribbers are in that camp. So, yeah, they coming again and bodily, you know, so mm-hmm. and he bodily rose from the dead. Exactly. So. Right. Um, this is something to divide fellowship over. It's not. Um, it's something to be preached and taught. It is. It is important. Um, uh, but it's not something to divide fellowship. And again, it's something that we should care enough to. Uh, for, for me, again, I, I'm exactly where those folks. Uh, I was exactly where those folks are. Um, you know, sincere, soul winning, loving the word of God. And I just hadn't dug into that subject. So. I had somebody tell me one time that post-tribbers were divisive because at a post-trib conference, it was all post-trib speakers and no pre-tribbers. And it was just like, (laughs) I be one thing is like, well, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect them to invite the post-tribbers to the pre-trib conference. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how, and that is one issue I've had with folks who say, why do you, why do you have to preach? Okay, if it's not something you divide fellowship over, then why do you have to preach it? Well, you have to preach it because it's the Bible, and because it's the truth, you know. So, and why do you have to preach pre-trib? You know. Mm-hmm. So the, the point is, we should preach the truth, the whole counsel of God. It is important. It's very important, but it's not something to divide with somebody over. You know, I think of Apollos. Anytime I disagree with somebody on something that's not a matter of, you know, salvation or the Word of God, I, I think of. Apollos and Aquila and Priscilla and how they they expounded him the word of God more perfectly. You know, what if they just thrown this guy out and said, hey, you know, he's he's not teaching right. So we're just done with him. No, what they did is they they taught him the truth. You know, so um, I appreciate people with that spirit of teaching who want to help others understand the truth. That's good. That's good. So in your opinion, do you think that the independent fundamental Baptist world will remain mostly pre-trib in the future? Or do you think this is something that will maybe die out once the popes are gone? I think there will always be some strong and even sometimes domineering pastors who are not as committed to scripture, in my opinion, as they should be. I think that'll always be the case. But I think that the more people lay down the books and pick up the book, the more we can encourage people to get in the word of God, 
the more and more folks are going to see this is just not scriptural. It's just not biblical. Um, so I don't think it's going to go away. Um, just like any other false doctrine, it doesn't really go away. Um, but uh, the more people we can get committed to the word of God, uh, the more they'll start to see the error in you know, the pre-trib position. So. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I've noticed over the years is because the amount of pre-trib books I have in my office and I've read is astounding. And I still read them all the time just to test to see if I can uh, debunk those things. But we are making ground in the sense that there's less scriptures that they are using wrong because they've been clearly, we've clearly proven their error in those. So they've got way less ammo. But the other thing that's happening too is even in the diff- more difficult scriptures, their interpretations are getting weirder and even more extreme, which causes, I think, the error to be more exposed. And, sure. and so it's like the all the books are getting weaker and weaker as time goes on. They're not the the position is not getting strengthened. I mean, it is greatly being weakened. And and so I'm I'm glad to see that. But so the uh, final final question I have for you is, you know, who are some of your favorite pre-tribbers? And not even just because you like their teaching on end times, but just your, your, just some of your favorite pre-trib preachers and stuff you like to listen to that you have respect for and all that. So let me let me uh, put this out there. I've always said this. I rarely quote anybody's name when I preach because I don't want any uh, name put out there to be a, a 100% endorsement. Don't, I 100% endorse Jesus Christ. Come on. Uh, not Tim DeVries, you know, Jesus Christ. I 100% endorse the Word of God. And that's the only book. That being said, uh, from the past, probably my favorite um, preacher to listen to was Curtis Hudson. Um, Curtis Hudson was very clear. I I love his message. uh, Things that are different are not the same. And he was very clear about the differences between uh, fundamentalists and new evangelicals, the difference between the King James Bible and all the other so-called Bibles. The difference between true salvation by grace through faith and all the other things masquerading as salvation. So I would say if there's one from the past uh, that I greatly appreciate it be Curtis Hudson. Yeah. Did you ever get to hear him preach in person? I did. I got to meet him and I actually have a letter uh, from him. I, when I was a teenager, you know, teenagers think silly things. And I wrote to him thinking he could support me for this bullathon we were doing to go on a trip. He actually did. He sent uh-huh. me some money, sent me a letter. And then uh, my dad actually uh, was talking about starting a church. And he did for a brief time have uh, something going. And he wrote to Curtis Hudson. I still have that letter this day. Curtis Hudson wrote back to him very encouraging. He told him two things. He said, number one, he said, love the people. He said, love the people that you're pastoring. And then he said, Number two, he said, don't stop soul winning. Make it all about soul winning, outreach, winning folks to Christ. And I think in there also he mentioned about having your, you know, your gun loaded, having your your messages ready, full of scripture. And uh, so I've appreciated him personally. I've appreciated him uh, just in his stance in a lot of things, uh, you know, obviously pre-trib. Um, but uh, I greatly appreciate his his heart for souls his heart for people in the Lord. So, 
Yeah, I never got to meet him or hear him preach in person. I do remember uh, the first thing I remember uh, from him was uh, I had a family member that had gotten into Calvinism, and I remember I, I was at a bookstore, and I saw his book, Why I Disagree with All Five Points of Calvinism. And I read that. I was like, oh, man, this is such good stuff. And uh, and I was loaded for bear the next time I talked to that family member. <laughs> and, and I, I never won him over, though, unfortunately. But uh, but he, he he helped strengthen my position. So I was thankful for that. But do you have any, any final remarks before we close this out? I just, my greatest challenge to everybody is it doesn't matter where you are right at this moment what you believe what you think about this conversation or any other lay aside all the man-made books i have lots of books but my dad early on as i said in the beginning my dad read the bible through more than any person i've ever heard of and my dad many a time would tell me tim you don't need all these books you need the book you need the bible and he's right he's right you know when sometimes I tell people, do you know, do you want to go to the Grand Canyon or do you want to talk to somebody who's been to the Grand Canyon? Well, I'd like to go there myself. Well, do you want to read books from people who've read the Bible about what they think about the Bible? And again, I'm not saying don't ever do that, but it should be much lower on your list compared to actually digging into the Bible, actually digging into the Word of God. So, uh, that's my challenge to everybody is go to the book, go to God's word. What does God's word say about all of these topics? That's good. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you coming on the program. I know this will be encouraging uh, for a lot of people and uh, everyone needs to make sure you check out, you know, pastor DeVries church, vision Valley Baptist church in Mount Washington, Kentucky, sure. Mount Washington. Yes. And uh, uh, listen to, uh, listen to some of his preaching. And I know, You'll get a blessing from it. And so thank you for coming on the program. And thank you, everyone, uh, for watching another program of the Spirit of Prophecy. Uh, we will have more of this this week, talking with other pastors about the same things, what got them out of dispensationalism, away from uh, the pre-trib and all that stuff. And I hope you will be edified by these and challenged if you are still a pre-tribber out there. We still love you. We still love you, but we hope one of these days to get you on our side. So God bless you all. We will see you all next time.